Almost a weekend and you don't know what to do Or you just need something fun to listen to Southside Pod! Yes, we're on the Southside air Pod. And the gang's all here, all things on the Southside We're listening to the Southside Pod Looking for the best Southside breweries Or you might just need an awesome place to eat Green, Blue Island, Beverly, pay listen, all sub to your tuned in to the Southside Pod. Southside Pod! Oklahoma, Midlothian, Old Fort Chicago Ridge, Flossmore, and Bridgeview, you're listening to Southside Pod! I went to purchase shorts just yesterday. Why, where? Coles. The short store. I, Coles. Went to, I went to Chicago Ridge and Coles. Okay. So for my birthday back in May, my mother-in-law gives me a $50 Kohl's card. Three months later, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go buy some shorts. Well, the problem... summer's winding Listen, I lost 25 pounds. I lost 25 pounds. 80% How many sizes My shorts don't fit anymore. So I was a 38. Okay. And I'm at probably a 30... I'm a 36 comfortably, and I could squeeze into a 34, but I'm not doing that yet. So what happened was, I was like, all right, I've lost, lost a little bit of weight. And I'm going to go into that bin in the back where all my shorts that don't right. fit me are. Right in the back of the basement here, which is protected by Family Waterproofing Solutions, the proud sponsors of Southside Pod. Remember, they have express service now. If you know what you want, you see the cost right on the website, you order and you schedule it on-site immediately for quick service. Family Waterproofing Solutions, so confident they're going to give you the best service, keeping water out of your basement, protecting your foundation. They got the pricing right on the site. Remember, express service and your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. So I pull out these shorts and I start wearing the old shorts over the last month. I'm like, oh, from the shorts from the I got 90s. 36s. I'll start wearing those, right? From the 90s. The the one pair split, like right they away. They were sold. Old. They were sold. The second pair, the zipper broke when I was watching Nancy Faust play at Cork and Carry at the park. I went into the bathroom, unzipped, and the entire zipper disintegrated. Mm. Okay, because I was doing that over at uh, for for socks in the basement. You had to go back and to and I had to use my pinky finger to push what was ever left of the zipper mechanism back up so I wasn't walking around my fly open for the rest of the night. So I had no shorts, unless I wore the big oversized one to make me look like a clown. You decided to use the, the month-old gift certificate. I was two like, well, old. I have this gift card. And I'm like, I can buy Three maybe one or two pairs of shorts yeah. with a $50 gift card. Yeah. That's not true. It's not true at all. I went to Kohl's, and the $20 pairs of shorts, the ones that everybody's buying, are meant for people that don't have... A butt. There is you can't. You, no, I mean seriously. Everybody must be a stick figure now. This is how they make these with this bill? They're almost made out of spandex. Everyone has a butt. You, no, no, not everybody has a butt. Some of us just have two legs and a hole because that's what the shorts are for. No, seriously, you can't have a curve, man. You can't have any curve whatsoever. You don't fit these things. They're all made out of elastic. The Chris Lanuti's new podcast no, on the broadcast basement no, network. Seriously. Two legs in a hole. <laughs> Two legs in a hole. That's the podcast like. about people without butts. <laughs> Listen, that's what it's like. I put on a pair of shorts. I put on a pair of shorts, and I had a bulge that was embarrassing. And the pockets were all, like, out like crazy. And they about? fit around my hips right, but they're not meant for somebody who has any kind of shape for them at all. You're shopping at Kohl's for $20 shorts. That's you the problem. Be... Nothing fits. Right. So Nothing fits. Serious question. Are you sure you were not in the boys' section when you were nope. shopping? I was in the men's section. 
I was in the men's section. Not the juniors? That's no. women's, by the way. Juniors I was in not... the men's section. So then I had to Can buy... we go back to this whole two legs in a hole? <laughs> yeah, two legs in a hole. <laughs> the name of the new podcast on the broadcast basement on demand net, radio network. So finally, I have to buy a pair of shorts that's got like it's cargo shorts, and they're the kinds that are made normally. Those are seventy five bucks. Seventy five dollars. Sounds like for a, a deal. Pair of shorts you could fit your butt in. I bought a so. pair of khakis last month. They guys, had, guys aren't supposed to wear cargo shorts. They went right? all the way down because they were khakis. There was a full. This only leg. has like four pockets, not like nine. So and those were forty bucks. But cargo shorts were $75. Even with Kohl's cash? Yeah. Even with a 40% off? Who uses Kohl's cash? Unless you're somebody who falls for that crap. I did today. Oh, my God. How often do you go to Kohl's? It like expires a, in two weeks. Like a lot. It expires in two weeks. Yeah, but every you time. You guys need to start shopping at a normal clothing store. Like what, Bill? Which ones are normal clothing Burlington stores? Burlington Coat Factory? <laughs> Andriana Furs? Like, which one is it? Where do you go to Target? Where do you, where do you go shop for clothes? New subject. <laughs> Winston Gambro is a Southsider who creates comic books, something we've never talked about before on this podcast, but I find it fascinating, the entire thing, from creation to putting it together to getting it out, especially because he's local but going bigger. So I brought him in here to talk about his latest project and what goes in to being a comic book creator. Winston, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about the new project first. Yeah, uh, my new book is called Haunted House, A Love Story, in which a sentient house falls in love with its architect and sole occupant. When the architect falls for someone else, the house seeks vengeance. And it's really just a story about love and grief and different forms of love, all from a haunted house's perspective. Wait, wait, hold on a second. The house is in love with the the other person and is angry? Yes. So it's like a love triangle, but one of them is a, a three-story mansion. What gets you to this point? Like, do you drink a lot? Or are there a lot of hallucinogens? Like, how do you come <laughs> up with this stuff? Uh, you know, just, just reading a lot of comic books, not leaving my house a lot. <laughs> I love that. No, I mean, I think it's cool. Like, here's the thing. Like, when I was younger, I used to doodle a lot. I used to sit around in classrooms, and I would I would doodle. And there was a point, maybe my junior or senior year over at Brother Rice, I would I would write comic strips. And, and I don't know if they were funny. They were funny to me. But I had little characters, and I would do that kind of stuff. When I look at what guys like you do, I go, man, I, I don't know where that next step is, but it seems like there's like 25 of them between what I was doing at that desk and what you're doing, because that's that's a complicated thing to do. So take me through how you progress to being somebody that's putting together these books in comic form. Basic step, if you're writing it, is a script. A comic script will come out looking a lot like a traditional movie script, except broken down into pages and panels. Rather than scenes, it will say, page one, panel one, Batman jumps in the Batmobile, page one, panel two, Inside the Batmobile, Batman says something snarky to Robin. You have one action per panel, usually dialogue underneath it. From there, you can do thumbnails, which are just very little drawings, usually about like an inch high, if that, where you just sketch out what, what the final product is going to look like at a much, much smaller scale so you don't have to redraw it. Once you're happy there, you just get to drawing. And of course, all of this is just with practice, like any kind of art form. It is, uh, keep learning you keep learning from the 
people that inspire you, whether they be creators or artists or your peers. And every single project, you'll learn something that you didn't know before. So the only thing I know about comic book writers is a Stan Lee documentary that I found and the movie Chasing Amy. Like, that's that's all I got. <laughs> You've seen that movie. You know you have, right? You're a comic book I actually guy. haven't. I, I just know the, the tracer line. Yeah, that's the whole thing. The anchors are tracers. Right, you're a tracer. You're an anchor, you're a tracer. Like, when I watched that movie, I thought to myself, okay, you need more than one guy. Because when you watch the Stan Lee thing, there was more than one guy. Are you one guy or is there another guy doing it? Or are you doing it all? For the most part, I'm the one guy. Occasionally, I will uh, draw for other people. Or if, like, right now I'm working with an amazing artist named Michael Lee Harris. And he is like a very animated, cartoony style that I don't. So I, I hired him to draw one of my scripts. I, I look at uh, like a comic strip, kind of like I look at a comedian trying to get to a joke. There's a setup, there's a punchline, there's a timing, and you have to get to it at the very end. Uh, you know, with a strip, if you notice, sometimes it's like four panels. Some of them do it in two, some of them do it in one, some of them do it in five. But let's say it's four panels. And they, they know they got their four panels. They got to set it up. They got to get to the end. They got to hit the punchline. And then they move on to the next day. And a lot of comic strip people in newspapers, at least that's how it used to be when I was younger. I don't know if it's like that now because who looks at a newspaper? They they would, <laughs> they would you could put all their comic strips in an order and then you have a comic book. They'll send out a thing. Like I, we used to have the complete collection of Calvin and Hobbes in our house. Like every time it was just like, okay, here's my year's worth of comic strips. It makes a comic book. On the other hand, when you make the, the books that are the traditional comic books, or you make the graphic novels, or you make the things that are really thick, there's so many different things. Do you look at it as every page has to have a progression? Is it every chapter? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, rhythm is just a really important part of comics. you got to consider that. Each panel is just a building block on a page. For instance, it's usually best, not always, that a scene change happens on the next page. Oh, and a big thing is that uh, when you open a comic book, it will always have the credits on the left and then page one on the right. So you always want to have the surprise, like the big death or someone returning from the grave on the even numbers. So when you turn the page, you're surprised. Now, not when you are looking right at it, you're reading the left and the spoiler is on the right. But yeah, each page just kind of has to add up, especially if you're tied to pages. Like uh, your standard monthly comics are usually 22-ish pages. And so that's a very small amount of pages. If you're trying to tell a complete story, you have to plan out what every page is going to do and break it down every step of the way by, by book overall and then by page, then by panel. And you know what? It's interesting. Like just this week, I finally got around to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Now, that's that's a comic book, right? I mean, it's a Marvel thing. And I don't know. I don't know if you you like the Marvel movies or you think that they ruin the comic books. And you're in the industry. So, I mean, I don't even want to dive into that. That's a four hour podcast. I'm sure you probably got thoughts (laughs) upon thoughts upon thoughts. But the thing that struck me was the day after I watched it. My 15-year-old son was sitting in the basement playing a video game. I came downstairs. He goes, did you watch Guardians of the Galaxy 3? And I go, yeah. And he was like, well, I wish you would have watched it with me. And I was like, well, sorry, buddy. Daddy was drinking bourbon, and he just decided to flip out a movie (laughs) after you went to bed. But the other thing was, 
he goes, was it worth watching? Because not all these Marvel movies, in his mind, are worth watching. And I describe it to him as I felt like it was almost like a love story by James Gunn. Like he looked at it and said, I want to finish my trilogy. And I felt like that movie looked like a comic book. They don't always look like it, but he had his surprises. He had his things he was getting to. He almost had chapters in it because what they're doing in the beginning of it isn't the same of what they're doing at the end of it. I think that he almost did that movie more like a comic book than most Marvel movies. When you watch these movies, I'm sure you see that sometimes. Some of them keep to the source material or at least keep to the spirit of a comic book. Some don't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Some are just happy to be movies. A lot of them, uh, I can point out specific examples. The latest Thor, for instance, has a panel stripped right from a Thor comic and they just put it on the big screen. Say what you will about the movie, but the visuals were just ripped right from the comic, and I think that's all comic book fans could ask for at the minimum. A lot of the cosmic stuff has been uh, taken from the original Marvel artist Jack Kirby. He has this very geometric style that would he would work into all his alien technology. And if you watch the backgrounds, they'll put that on the brickwork and stuff, sometimes within the costumes. So it is getting more closer to the comic books becoming real life. We they still do a lot of those things that, for instance, uh, rather than just having a flat red suit, they'll have a red suit with a bunch of patterns and zigzags on it, so it looks more visually interesting. And if I was the artist, I'd be like, I'm not drawing all these zigzags. I'll just make it red. They always find a happy medium between uh, what what makes a good comic movie and what they can actually steal from the comic book. And I think every single movie they have to make those decisions. So being a comic book writer on the South side, is there just like there would be a music scene that's South side or a food scene that's South side or a brewery scene that's South side? Is there a comic scene that's unique to the South side or are you just kind of like a guy floating around who happens to be from the South side? No, there's definitely a, a comic scene down here. Thankfully, I I do a lot of uh, art shows through the Street Art Alliance, and a lot of them are within the South Side. And I'm seeing a lot of the same faces becoming friendly with the artists, which we trade comics all the time, trade tips, suggest, suggest cons that we can go to all along the South Side. So there is a great and growing scene that it is all very friendly, very kind people that are willing to help each other. Where do you get the book sold at most? I, I am stocked at uh, some local local comic book shops, but really the the most sales I do by far are conventions because I got the FaceTime with people. People are coming up. I can pitch them on it rather than a very selective shop with a zillion other things. And speaking as someone who likes Batman, I can't compete with Batman. Uh, take me through it again before we let you go. The names of the comic books, the series what they should go out and get. What what are you most proud of? I know you have the new thing, so so give them the new thing because you want them to check that out. And then if they want to see something you've done before, give me one more thing that you've done before that maybe they should also check out as well and how do they get it? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, my new book is called Haunted House, A Love Story. You just go into any major comic shop and just say, I want Haunted House, A Love Story it, and say it's through Blood Moon Comics and they'll be able to get you a copy. It's awesome. It's spooky. It's only six issues long and you won't have to buy a hundred other comics to read it. And then my other big thing is a cyberpunk mystery that I'm really personally attached to. 
and it's all found on winstongambro.com. Man, kudos to you. It's really cool. And I appreciate you jumping on here. And anytime you want to talk about what you're doing, you let us know. Thanks, man. This is amazing. So good meeting you, Chris. I have a confession to make. It's true. And I'm guessing you have done the same thing. Put more time into thinking about what's for dinner than preparing for your retirement. But if you think your retirement needs deserve more attention, I agree with you. And I want to help you out. I've got a local, experienced, down-to-earth guy who's a friend of this show. He's got a get-to-know-you approach and do-the-right-thing values. And he's been around for over 20 years right here on the South Side. His name is Tom Walsh. He's located on the corner of 111th and Kedzie, and he's waiting for your call. In times of financial uncertainty, how can you stay on track? Call someone who's invested in your success. Reach out to Tom now, 773-779-0023, or pop in at the office right on 111th and Kedzie. Tell them we sent you. Edward Jones, making sense of investing, member SIPC. Would you pay $1,000 to Taylor Swift? In concert? No, just a player in chess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. You love singing Taylor Swift. It feels like a perfect night to dress up like hipsters, make fun of our exes. Uh huh, uh huh. It feels like a perfect night for breakfast at midnight to fall in love with strangers. Uh huh, uh huh. Yeah! We're happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. It's miserable and magical, oh yeah. Tonight's the night when we forget about the deadlines. It's time, uh-huh. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Everything will be alright if you keep me next to you. You don't know about me, but I bet you We just keep dancing like we're 22. 22. 2200 for section two, third row, right? Let me tell you something that's amazing about drinking with Bill. We're sitting here at the bar and he goes, I'd like a, uh, a Red Bull and vodka, right? So I bring out the ice cubes. I bring out a just a regular pint glass. So you have a general idea, if you ever drink out of a pint glass, how much volume is in the pint glass. Yeah. I bring out the... A pint, usually. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Roughly, give or take. I bring out... A little hold bit. on, hold on. Give or I, take a pint. I so. bring out the, the Red Bull, the eight-ounce Red Bull, and I've got the Grey Goose sitting there. And the ice. And I put three ice cubes in. And I pour some vodka. Normal size ice cubes. And I think I give him a good pour of vodka, and he takes his fingers and he does that thing where he goes like, "Little more, little more, give me a little more, little I mean, more." I was like, doing that too, like De Niro telling, uh, um, what's his name's wife, to go down the alley a little further. Right, just go down there Come a little on. bit further. Just a little bit. Just keep going a little down. More. Just going down. All right, yeah, that's where they're going <laughs> to shoot on. you. Right. <laughs> and after I do it, I pour the Red Bull. This guy is such a professional that when I pour the extra eight ounces of Red Bull. Over the vodka and everything else went right up to the top. There was no more Red Bull and there was no more space. He knew exactly how much he needed in vodka 
to put the Red Bull into. Just eyeballing it while he's sitting at the bar. About how many drinks in, would you say? About five, six? Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, five or six. It's not eight. a game for children, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Like drinking is like something that's like you become a professional, right? I, I look at it a, a professional. Uh, you you make it sound like you're a drunk. There's no a difference between a professional and a drunk. Exactly, I agree with you. Okay, there is a difference. Like like yeah, we you haven't all, spilled yet. You watched it tonight, and you were kind of I think laughing at it that like I have a 17 year old and a 15 year old. He's got a 16 year old. You know, like we have these teenagers now, and you could tell that they're like right on the cusp. Like they know all the jokes. Right. They get yep. what we're saying. Sure. They, they, they kind of like understand. Sometimes. Not right. Yeah, there was one joke we were making. Your son, it went right over his that head. That happens a lot. You know, they don't know what they're doing. They Like my son is, look, my son and my out. daughter, they've all talked about it. His son's probably talked about it. Like they start to run across kids that are experimenting with the idea that they can get their hands on a beer. And, and it's funny because it doesn't even sound like they drink beer. They all drink like these seltzers. Yeah, you know? easier to Which we were making fun of earlier because we said, I said, everyone I know that smoked like when they were 15 or 16 everyone started on marble reds right they all had red dog and and budweiser we used to get malt liquor yeah we used to go get mickey's where do we go wrong it's so stupid but on the other hand when i heard that i was like well i get it because it'd be harder for me to smell that on your breath like i really have to be on my game like i have to stop drinking now to pay attention to what whether or not he's not maybe they're smart yeah we make fun of them but yeah, maybe they're dead ass. We used to come over our parents and be like, crazy yeah, smell we, like a tavern. Yeah. <laughs> you smell like a gin mill. Go to bed. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer. Let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here. I love that pitcher of beer. I'm on the roof of Open Outcry, Western Avenue and Beverly Marshall's with me. We've talked before. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's a beautiful rooftop that you have here and a really nice brewery that you have uh, downstairs. We're, we're just having a drink. It's a, it's an August day, and I, I reached out to Marshall. And I was like, what are you guys up to these days? And you found me a beer. So I, I want to get into the beer. I want to talk a little bit about what Open Outcry is doing because, you know, you watch over the years. I mean, I've been doing this podcast network and shows for over five years now. And I've watched you guys almost from your infancy just kind of take different steps and stages. And you see with a lot of breweries and restaurants and things around the South Side. So I kind of want to get into that too. But but what are we drinking here first of all? So you've got the Nelson. That's our newest hazy IPA right now. Um, so the main thing with that one is he's using the New Zealand style hops. Uh, it's called the Nelson is the hop. Um, so it's got uh, it's got a little bit of citrus to it. It's got some um, I believe it's goseberry in there too. Yeah, it's nice. It's as far as our hazies cloudy. go. Yeah, it's cloudy. It's, there you go. Yeah, uh, but it's got like it's it's got a sweeter edge to it, it um, which is that's what you get from that Nelson hop. That was the thing he really tried to work the beer around. We you know we do the things like we got the Delirio and we have the Citrium, and then he got an order of that Nelson and he was really trying to experiment with that. If, one. It, if it isn't a milkshake IPA, it gets close to one, doesn't it? Because oh, just because of the cloudiness and how thick it bit, is, yeah. but it's so, not exactly. It's a hazy, you would right? Say, yeah. Right? Yeah. The New Zealand style is always going to be on the cloudier side as opposed to something like a west coast but yeah with that one specifically it's more like you get juicier notes stuff like that in there that'll that'll make it all new oh it's really good i mean it's got a lot of flavor to it and like that citrus flavor something i learned here i think was the first brewery i learned this at they're not adding citrus the hops right. gives you that, that flavor, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. It depends on what you do. And a lot of people, like you say, uh, milkshakes especially, they'll add, you know, there's so many adjuncts that go into it after effect. But yeah, for a lot of the ones, especially the ones that we do are hazies, the citrus is all coming straight out of those hops too. So it's like, it's, it's an additional flavor, but it's not like it's an added additional flavor. This brewery, Open Outcry, I remember when it first opened, 
And the feeling I got from your your owner, John Brand, who's been on this show before, was he was opening a brewery. Yes. That was the whole idea. You were coming in here, and you were going to get your beer, but you're going to get it here, right? right. And that's where we start. You came in here. You tried different beers. Uh, the focus was the beer. Uh, if you wanted to bring home a growler or a can of something or something like that, they would do it right there behind the bar. Exactly. You got a mug club. And then you had, like, a separate business that did food out of, like, a food truck-type setup. Like, Correct. it was a permanent food truck. Then the pandemic hits. And you became a restaurant, probably out of necessity. Yeah. You were still a brewery, but you became like a restaurant. And then I want to say about a year ago, I remember talking to John and he's like, I want to get back to what I, I started. And now it's brewing beer. This place feels more like a brewery. I mean, it's still got good food, you, you know, sure. uh, but it, it's set up almost like a brewery again right. along Western Avenue. That's more of what your focus is, is the beer. You've got beer on, on shelves. He's driving all over the place in a delivery truck and spreading it all over yeah. the Chicagoland area. Take me through this transition, what it's been like for somebody like you that's been here pretty much since the beginning. Yes. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's an interesting story for sure. Like back in the beginning, you know, John started out as he was a home brewer. Um, he was a big finance guy, but his, you know, he had a passion for beer and, and selling things like that. And so started working, uh, doing a couple of recon and bars, like learning, learning the business, how it works before he started taking this place over. Um, and then the other thing was, on top of all that, learning how to run a kitchen was just going to be an inefficient use of time. So he had the space. He said, instead of me telling a guy how to run a kitchen that I don't know how to run, we're going to run it like two different businesses. And that was what we did for a while. But then as the years go on, you get more comfortable with what he was doing on our side of the uh, on the end. He was learning more about the restaurant and the kitchen and all that. As and it it's probably along. a dependency. Let's think about it. When the pandemic hit. Remember, breweries had yeah. it really tough because all you're trying to do is get people to get takeout beer. Right. Yeah. And then the world opened up just enough that you With weren't doing crack, that anymore, yeah. right? And so it kind of hurt them. And having the food aspect, that that was probably one of the things that kept this thing oh, going. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It was crazy because it was, you know, like we were doing, we had the 32-ounce crawlers, like you said. We weren't doing anything six-packs like what we're doing now yet. So it was, everything we made was beer was fresh on tap. We were pouring it into crawlers, 32-ounce crawlers ourselves, sealing them behind the bar. And then those are good for anywhere between, you know, three to four weeks, depending on the beer that you get. And the thing with that was, that was nice. And, you know, people loved coming and get beer, but it's like, getting a beer alongside two pieces and an appetizer or something for the kids to bring home like that's that was what changed the game completely it was like you know we got our loyal customers and people were coming in every now and then and stopping for beer which is nice but yeah having the food just uh it definitely changed the game for us which was a huge part and he knew that too that was why oh it was a big deal the kitchen was always going to be essential but, but like i said it, it gets it. away from what the original goal was right. right he was a home brewer oh yeah yeah he was like i want to start brewing beer right now i got this brewery the brewery happens to be along western avenue which is a very populated area yes. where people like i mean it's not like you can put it in a warehouse and just have a tap room oh, it had yeah, to be no. more than that yeah but like now the roots are here like you've had the same brewer for coming up on two years same head brewer yeah. Okay, that originally was over at Moore Brewing, came over here, if I remember right. So Eric Padilla's been here for a while. And then uh, he's got his his shelf basically done now. I've heard brewers say that. Like, they know what their their big ones are, their year-round ones, what they're probably going to do for certain seasons. And if you're going to start putting it on a shelf, you know which ones people are going to respond to that you can go out and that you can sell. So it's come a long way, I would say, especially in the last year and a half or oh, so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that was, that was always, I want to say, was part of the initial plan from the beginning was John wanted open outcry beer in you know, in liquor stores and stuff like that. But uh, taking a brand new beer off the market and throwing it into a store is not going to do well. What you had to do is you got to build the brand up. You got you to make beer that people know, that people like, so that when they're out somewhere else and they see it, that's when you go, oh, you know, I've had speculator before. I'll take a six pack. Right, that. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what's the summer like right now? I mean, and, and what does it feel like getting back to that, like, brewery 
like main things brewery. I know you guys love your food. Your menu's really right. good. I'm not I'm not poo-pooing the food, <laughs> but I do think it, it I do think it's kind of cool to see the path that you guys are on right now. Yeah. And, and you're and you're knocking out things like this, which is really tasty. Yeah, uh, leaning more into the beer, like you said, has definitely been something they focus on for sure uh, in the last I want to say you know six to twelve months. Um, and that's the thing that's nice too is hearing the chatter when you come into the, in the tap room on a Friday night, and it's like it's a lot of people talking about beer. Like I love that. There's it's. It's hard to replace, and it's one of the things about this industry in general that the culture is so different, and there's a reason I've stuck around so long, that walking into a place, having somebody like Eric who's killing it on the beer front, he's just putting out you know, bangers after bangers as far as our beer goes, and then sitting down and talking to people, having discussions about you know, the style of hops, and people have different preferences and all that stuff. Um, being able to just, you know, I don't want to say sell in a negative context, but it's just like, you know, you're talking about beer. and To and talk about, about, right. It. It's yeah. the idea of sitting there and like having a discussion about like, you know, where it came from, why it tastes the way it tastes, right. getting people's feedback on what they have, comparing it to other ones that they've right. had. I mean, that's really like the roots of, of like having a brewery. That's why people open breweries. Oh, yeah. And that's what because it, it's, you know, and, and the being able to see it be done is i would say is an interesting part too like if you come in on a wednesday afternoon and the whole tap room smells like grain because you can see eric in the back and he's <laughs> he's throwing everything and they're like that's a fun fun aspect of it too but yeah it's like you know the more you talk about it you're sitting there having a discussion with somebody and you're just like actually the, the more you talk about it my mouth is watering as we speak he's like why don't you pour me one of those and then you, you bounce around that was another thing too is i didn't know you know when i started working here i was 21 like i was drinking as cheap as I could get and sitting around talking to people and I was like oh I didn't know beer was actually allowed to taste good and then <laughs> the more you do it the more you're like oh there's the you know the yeah. interest I've um, come a long way from red dogs myself my, oh my friend God. I think that was the first thing that I was drinking and I was I, I was ahead of the curve too because my friends are still like on the fence I like because I my fridge at home is basically all craft beer now yeah and when people come over I'm like dude just please give me a shot. Like give this one a try. I know what you're used to drinking. I guarantee you this is better. You know what I mean? What's the beer then for you right now? Somebody comes walking in, they're like, you know, either they're a craft beer aficionado or there's somebody that's like, I'll just try anything, man. What do you want to put in front of me? What do you take out and put in front of somebody right now? You're putting me on the spot well, as far as like. Just say this one. Yeah. Just go with this well, one. What, is, what was, is it called again? That's the uh, Nelson. All right. So that one we're not canning yet, but that one <laughs> no, I I'm do talking have about, a, I'm talking about when they come walking in here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because you got a whole selection of things. These I, yeah, two I, are my I, probably two favorite on the menu right now. I mean, I, I like, I love stouts too. Good job. Just dive on the two that are sitting on the table. Yeah, right. That's what you're doing there. Well, so the other one we just tapped to is called the cat toupee so it's a west coast style pilsner so it's same thing it's light like a pilsner but he, he did dry hop it it's got some of the uh simcoe style hops in there so it's got you know it's got a little piney flavor to it it's got more of a west coast style but it's still light it's not going to be you know overly bitter or anything like when you're used to drinking ipas um so it's another one like it's you know it's a it's a path along the step between regular beer drinkers and craft beer drinkers which is a, like i said it's a lot of the the circles that i'm in are one or the other and i'm trying to be like the venn diagram square in the middle that's trying to connect the two but otherwise yeah i would say between the nelson and the speculator those are my two favorite if i'm trying to you know if i'm hanging out for a bit or especially on a hot day like today i'm like i'm probably leaning towards speculator just because it's light but like if i'm having you know one or two beers with dinner i'm gonna go with a nelson just because the flavor is just uh it's not it's something i can't beat at the moment Open Outcry Brewing at 109th and Western. It's a small brewery located in Beverly, Morgan Park area on 109th and Western that after uh, several years is now branching out. So look for them on uh, store shelves or if you want to make the pilgrimage into Beverly or you're not from here, get on over and try it out. Jump up on this patio. It's beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. They even have, they even have tables that have swings on them. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is crazy. Right. Like, I don't use that. I got a bad back, and I'll fall off after sure. a couple of beers. But, I mean, it's fun for the kids. Oh, uh, yeah, everybody loves it. We, yeah. we got one downstairs. 35-year-old women seem to love them as well. You, you know, that's, that's <laughs> the demographic you learn. what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kids you, and 35-year-old women. <laughs> you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head with that one. That's exactly who it's for. And people love it, you know? Like, it's a lot of people take a look at it. They go, that's awesome. Maybe not for me. Yeah. But everybody else who sits there, it's like... <laughs> We had the three of them in the tap room. Those were the first seats gone Friday through Sunday. Like, it wasn't even a question. It was yeah. just like, those were filled in immediately. And then everyone else like, kind of had to either wait on the side. Like, do you know if the swing table's opening up anytime soon? And we're just like, well, we'll give it a couple more minutes. We'll see what happens for you. <laughs> Marshall, thanks for having us. Hey, cheers. We wrap up another 30 minutes of good that is Southside Pod with your Southside Bulletin Board brought to you by the brand new Spoke and Vine Wine Bar and Bottle Shop, northeast corner of 95th and Kedzie. Extensive selection of wines and incredible plates of food, 21 and over. Don't bring the kids, make it an adult night. See more, SpokeandVineWines.com. In Oak Lawn this weekend, St. Gerald's is having their carnival. It's running from the day this episode comes out on August 10th all the way through the weekend. You can get your mega pass in advance at modernmidways.com. On Saturday, Blue Island Beer Company is busy out in Blue Island. There is a boats and brews event going on. They're meeting at Little Calumet Boat Launch at 1 p.m. They're paddling around until about 3.30, then they're heading over to the brewery. You're getting a tour behind the scenes and complimentary tasters. Then later on the 12th of August, Saturday, Anderlich and Church are playing at Bibco. 13357 Old Western Avenue. On Sunday, the Ron Burgundies are at 115 Bourbon Street. Well, that's a normal occurrence, isn't it? Nope. This Sunday, it's an outdoor show kicking off at 4 p.m. in Marionette Park. And our feature on Sunday is brought to you by SidSauce.net. Peppers grown on the south side, the sauce is developed and bottled right here and delivered to pretty much every door on the south side for free. The only hot sauce down here at the 9-foot homemade oak bar, see more at SidSauce.net. The Forge in Lamont. We're going to be out there in about a month or so when Oktoberfest happens. But this weekend on Sunday at the Forge, multiple bands out there. Yonder Mountain String Band, Railroad Earth, Leftover Salmon. It is a day of music outdoors. You can get tickets and see more at LamontDowntown.com. The only thing you have left to do is listen to the ending song and make sure you are subscribed. I don't care what player you're using. Hit the subscribe button. Last couple events that we've been at, people keep telling me they're listening through Facebook. Facebook does not show you every episode. There's a new one every week. Don't miss one. And catch up on the old ones anywhere podcasts can be found. And always at SouthsidePod.com. It's the Southside. It's the Southside. Y'all come back now here.